0: What's going on, everybody? This is episode 13 of the Jonah Saller Show. I am the host, Jonah Saller. For those of you who do not know who I am, I am the owner of Frontline Strength, as well as a Bible teacher on the app TikTok. You can look me up at Frontline Strength, and I make 60-second videos talking about different passages in the Bible. So this podcast is dedicated to helping you build your walk with Jesus Christ, and today's episode might be the most important one I have done so far, because this is this is the battle. This is the battle that a Christian faces every single day, and understanding how to fight this battle is possibly the most important part of the Christian life. So I've entitled this podcast episode, Christian, You Hate Sin. And the reason that I named it that is because I think to a certain extent, to a very large extent, we as Christians sometimes do not know how to feel about sin. Do I hate sin? But I do it anyway. I mean, if I do it, then do I really hate it? Or do I want to sin and I just shouldn't because I love God and God tells me not to? How how do we view sin? What is the best way to view sin? What is the biblical way to be, view sin? And in doing so... What is the best way to help us as Christians to fight against sin? Because sin is there crouching at our doorway, waiting to attack, waiting to take us down, to devour us, right? So how can we as Christians battle sin from a biblical perspective? So the first thing that I want to address is possibly what I believe to be, I call it the warped Christian perspective on sin. And I I think you'll be surprised if you're listening to this, how many of you really, really fall into this pattern. Okay, I'm going to say two things, and if it sounds wrong to you, you're, you're in a good place. If it doesn't sound wrong for you, or you're like, well, I'm not sure I see what's wrong with saying that, then just bear with me, listen to what I have to say, and we'll turn to God's Word and really delve into this. So how many of you have heard this? Sin is in our nature. Yeah, I've heard it plenty of times. How many of you heard this? It's in my nature to sin, but thank God for forgiving me. Or even better, I'm a sinner saved by grace. See, these three different things sound good. Sin is in our nature. It sounds relatively accurate. It's in my nature to sin, but thank God for forgiving me. You see, that's basically the last one with the added thanking God. So it sounds, you know, pretty humble. And then the third one, right, sinner saved by grace. I hear that all the time. And I'm going to make the argument that all three of those things are incorrect, biblically speaking. It is not in your nature to sin. Sin is not your nature, and you are not a sinner. Let me explain. So, we, we come across this word in the Bible called flesh. Flesh right? And flesh describes the, the, the human tendencies to basically seek righteousness or seek something outside of God. That is the flesh is our humanity basically. And in the Greek, it it translates as the word sarx, which literally translates as flesh. Now here's where things get interesting. And here's why we get this idea of sin being part of our nature. The NIV translation of the Bible, is the only Bible translation that has used the word sinful nature as an English translation of the Greek word sarx. However, the translation sinful nature is inaccurate at communicating the original meaning of the word sarx, which literally translates as flesh. So the word sarx translates as flesh, but the NIV, you know, it tries to make a, a translation that's very easy to understand takes the word sarks and inputs sinful nature. I took a little excerpt of an article uh that kind of describes why why using the word sinful nature is is bad, right? And this is what it says. It says, "Honestly, I think that the NIV revision has two legitimate choices: either translate sarks consistently and literally as flesh or translate it consistently as sinful nature, even when it applies to Jesus. Thus, if it wants to retain sinful nature with the respect to the rest of humanity, it must declare that Jesus came in the sinful nature. This is a better alternative to the consistent contextual monkey business of the current NIV and TNIV. So, this is why sinful nature is, is such a bad way to translate sarx um, the same word Sarks is used when john in chapter one says and the word became flesh so if that same word Sarks is used there in the niv following their logic it should say and the word became sinful nature but you see that doesn't really communicate christ right because christ He came in the flesh, but he did not sin. He did not have a sinful nature. He was not a sinner by nature, right? So, if they're going to use the word flesh there, they should use the word flesh across the board. Um, And what's really cool is I did hear in 2011 that the NIV actually changed the word sinful nature to flesh. I'm not sure that they did that for every time it's used or just in certain areas, but they they did see... Uh, the problem in using the word sinful nature all other major translations of the Bible use the word flesh which the literal meaning of the Greek word sarx is flesh so that is the correct way to translate it when you refer to Christians and this is this is one of the major points so pay attention when you refer to Christians as people with a sinful nature it gives a false idea that we are going through life with two parts of ourselves Uh, A Jekyll and Hyde, if you will. It gives the idea that we are both sinner and saint. Something that we can kind of bounce back and forth between. And when you view things this way, it gives a very unstable identity. As we, we basically are fighting a battle between a good us and a bad us. We can't look at our sins as us anymore when we are Christians. We were taken out of Adam and put in Christ. So basically, Mike, what I'm trying to communicate with this podcast is the idea that referring to yourself as a sinner, referring to yourself as, you know, a wretch, referring to yourself as a lot of the things Christians refer to themselves as is actually damaging your your ability to view yourself properly and biblically. And not just that, it's kind of insultive to the real The real supernatural change that Jesus Christ completed in you. So again, it kind of all starts with this word sinful nature. We do not have a sinful nature. And I'm going to display how, biblically speaking, it is impossible to say that we have a sinful nature, a dual nature, a Jekyll and Hyde, if you will. Starting in Romans 6, 1 through 11, For if we have you been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, again, there's that sinful nature, our old self was crucified. Crucified. Let's just pause there for a second. We know that our old self was crucified. Crucifixion is a actual death. You can't you can't get crucified and then still live and walk around. If you're crucified, you're dead, right? Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, listen to this. So you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Picking up later in verses 15 to 18. Paul says, what then? He, again, starts basically the same way he started the chapter. What then? Are we to continue in sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So in these two portions of scripture, we see a consistent theme. Dead to sin, to alive to God, slave of sin to slave of righteousness. There's no in between. There's no dual nature. There's no in process. There is one extreme to the other extreme. We were dead to sin and now we are alive to God because of that. We were a slave of sin and now we are a slave of righteousness. So this is really, really, really important. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? So wh- who do we obey? Which one do we obey? Are we, are we, or is sin our master? Or is Christ our master? Well, it says, thanks be to God that you who were, past tense, were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart. We've been given a new heart, a brand new heart, to the standard of teaching which we were committed And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So you see, this transition from slave of sin to slave of righteousness was not of our own doing. It's not that somehow we decided, you know what? I'm going to stop sinning and I'm going to just be righteous now. No, what actually happened as described in the very first one is there was a crucifixion of our old self. There was a death. When you receive Christ, when you receive salvation, you go through a spiritual death. Your old self is crucified, it is dead, it is gone, and you have been given a new heart. Your old heart has been ripped out, your sinful heart, your sinful nature is ripped out, and you are replaced with an obedient heart, and you're set free from sin and become a slave of righteousness. Dead to sin, alive to God, slave of sin, slave of righteousness. So then, okay, if we've been taken out of sin and we've been made alive to God, if we were a slave of sin, but now we're a slave of righteousness, why do we still struggle with sin? Well, the bottom line is because of the flesh. Um, I heard an analogy once that I think is really, really poignant. The pastor said, uh, it's, it's like getting a brand new hard drive, right? You get a brand new hard drive, it's a completely new system. But, as you traverse the new system, you're going to get software updates. And you have a choice to either ignore them or install them. If you ignore them, the computer's not going to run exactly the way it's supposed to. And if you click them, well, you're going to improve the performance of the computer. So again, that's one way to view it. Another way that I've heard is this idea of a fence, right? There's a fence. One side is your sinful nature. The other side is your righteous nature. When you go to one side of the fence, you can still hear the noise from the other side. But just because you can hear it, just because you can engage with it does not mean that you are on that side of the fence. So rather than viewing yourself as hopping from one side to the other, one side to the other, back and forth, back and forth, you're always on one side of the fence. You're always on the righteous side of the fence if you're in Christ. But you still have a choice to engage with those old habits over the fence. You still have a choice to talk and communicate with those old things over the fence, the old ways. But just because you communicate with them does not mean that they are you. That's the probably the best way to view the flesh in Romans seven seventeen through twenty five. Paul gives a little bit more clarity as to just how separate we are from the flesh. How it's a it's a parasite. It's an entity within us, but it is not us. So starting in verse seventeen, he says, "So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me." The first verse is very very important. He communicates that sin, the the sinful behavior of his flesh is not him, but it's sin that dwells within him. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Again, he clarifies that it's not him, it is his flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing now if i do what i do not want it is no longer i who do it but sin that dwells within me again he says the same thing to clarify and point out just how separate he is from sin because of christ jesus so i find it to be a law that when i want to do right evil lies close at hand for i delight in the law of god in my inner being So then I myself, his true identity, serves the law of God. But with his flesh, not his identity, not who he is, he serves the law of sin. So how do we as Christians fight against sin with this knowledge that sin is this entity that is within us, that sin is this this sickness, this parasite that feeds on us, that tricks us, that contaminates us, how do we battle this? Well, the first step, like we just talked about, is understanding and recognizing that you do not have a sinful nature, that sin is not an inherent part of who you are. It's in you. Identify the enemy, but don't identify yourself As the enemy. You are not the enemy. You are a slave of righteousness. A child of God. Unified. In Galatians 5.16-17. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there you go. There you have it. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen to the next part. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now that's interesting, that last line there. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. What are the things that you want to do? What is it referring to? It's talking about both the flesh and the Spirit. So what are the things that you want to do? Well, assuming that you are in Christ... You want to do the things of the Spirit. That is your true desire. That is your innate, inherent nature. That's the desire of your nature, is to do the things of the Spirit. So how do you do that? In verse 25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So in other words, assuming you're a believer since you live by the Spirit, that's something that you didn't do, that's something that Christ did, Make sure you're walking in that reality. So you see it's not this it's not this battle to try to keep the spirit. It's it's not this battle of Lord, don't turn your face from me. It's not this battle of I hope I'm doing a good enough job. If you're a Christian, you live by the spirit. But just because you live by the spirit does not mean that you're always going to walk by the spirit, right? We have the choice. To, to turn from the Spirit, to turn from the Spirit's guiding and leading, and to walk by the flesh. And the flesh and the Spirit are at war with one another. There's a battle. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are both opposed to each other. You can't have both. That's why this, this idea of a sinful nature is ridiculous. Because then it's just literally a living hell inside of you. Trying to go back and forth between these two conflicting things. The things you want to do, it clarifies. The things you want to do are the things of the Spirit. So therefore, if you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Well, let me read a couple passages that really, really help to communicate how to live in step with the Spirit. So in 2 Corinthians five seventeen it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In 2 Peter 1, 3-4, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them... You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Ephesians 2, 18-20 says, Through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone and then this last one, one of my favorites of all time, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So you see, your very core identity is one spirit with the living God. If you are in Christ Jesus The old is gone, the new has come, and you are one spirit with him. So Christian, I don't don't think there's a whole lot I can say about this other than, number one, you do not have a sinful nature. You're always going to be in this constant battle of fighting against two people that you think you are if you believe you have a sinful nature. Do you see how difficult it'll be to fight sin when you believe that your desire is for sin, but it's also for God? Your desire is for evil, but it's also for good. Do you see how confusing that is? You are born of the Spirit, born again. Jesus talks about being born again. And let me ask you, if we still have a sinful nature, what exactly was born again? Do you see that? Do you see how difficult that is to wrap your mind around if you have a sinful nature what was born again You you can't you can't justify it you can't you can't <laughs> I mean I really don't know what else to say if we're talking about being born again it has to be a completely new nature a completely different nature Of course we're going to struggle with sin because we are still in a fleshly body on a sinful planet. In a world where sin exists. The Bible says we are dead to sin. It does not say sin is dead to us. So you see, if you're dead to sin, that means that you've been given power over sin. You didn't have that before. If you had a sinful nature, you still wouldn't have that. You would be a slave of sin, trying to be righteous. But you're a slave of righteousness. And because of that, you have power not to sin. Sorry, my microphone is being a little funny right now. There, I think that's better. So the newness in the nature that we have in Jesus Christ means the way that we live the Christian life looks differently and the way we fight and battle against sin looks differently. You see, if you're constantly in this, in this mindset that I'm a Christian, therefore I need to not sin. Sin is not good. I should stop sinning. I need to fight against it. But you deep down believe that that's your default? Well then, friend, you're going to be in constant, constant pain. The only way that you're going to be able to truly fight sin is by recognizing that you've been given power over sin because you've been removed from the nature that is sinful. You see, if you're if you have a sinful nature, your default is sin. So therefore what God is asking you to do is impossible. You can't do what you aren't are. That was not correct English. I apologize. You can't do something that you're not. There we go. I can speak again. You can't do something that you're not. So the reality is, if God is saying, be holy, since I am holy, fight sin because I cannot be around sin, be righteous, or as Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, there, you're not going to get into heaven unless your righteousness is exceeding that of the Pharisees. Forgive others or your heavenly father won't forgive you. If he's offering us all these different things, how are we going to live up to that if we have a sinful nature? We cannot do something that does not align with who we are. So the only way that we can reasonably decipher and understand how to live a righteous holy life is by admitting that we really were born again that we really were born of the Spirit, that we really do not have a sinful nature, and that we are 100% perfect, righteous, and holy in front of God because of Christ Jesus. Do you see how this changes the way that you live the Christian life? Do you see how this changes the way that you battle sin? Do you see how instead of looking at sin as this daunting task of daily just trying to fight against what who you are, You are now fighting something that is contrary to who you are. You can look at sin and say, I do not want to do that because I hate that. That goes against my nature. That goes against who I am. You know, a strange concept that we have as Christians is this idea that the Holy Spirit convicts us. I've been reading this book called The Naked Gospel by a pastor named Andrew Farley. And he talks about this idea that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Well, here's the reality. The word convict, conviction, actually is a form of punishment, right? The conviction in a sentencing is the punishment. When a, when a, when a bad guy gets arrested and they go through the trial and they reach the conviction, that is when the judge prosecutes them to the fullest extent of the law. We say out of one side of our mouth, well, God remembers our sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers our sins no more. And yet in the same breath we say, but the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. So are we saying that God the Father does not remember our sins, that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins, but the Holy Spirit is still aware of them? The Holy Spirit is still there making sure you're doing a good enough job. That makes absolutely no sense. Did you know that the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is talked about, there is only one mention of the Holy Spirit convicting sins, and it is in the context of talking about unbelievers. When Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict the world of their sin. And again, in the context of unbelievers... In the context of believers, do you know what the Holy Spirit is described as? It's described as a counselor, a helper, an encourager, somebody who is there to guide us and lead us in paths of righteousness, not destroy us and beat us down in our sin. So again, this is even more empowering. The Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit leads us away from sin and reminds us ultimately of who we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us all things and recall to our memory all that Christ has said. And the core of that is that, my child, you are one spirit with me. My child, you are members of the household of God. My child, you are partakers of the divine nature. My child, you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. My child, you are in Christ, you are a new creation. My child, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. My child, you live by the Spirit. You already do. And since you live by the Spirit, make sure that you are walking in that reality and you will never stray. So you see, you do not have a sinful nature. You are born of the Spirit, born again. You have the Holy Spirit walking beside you, not to convict you of your sin but to lead you into the righteousness of who you are in Christ. And when you understand this, when you make this a reality, fighting sin becomes easy. Why would you do something that does not align with who you are? So you see, God did not just say, Jesus, go die for their sins and forgive them. And then let's see how well they follow you. Jesus didn't just say, okay, I forgave you. Now you pull your weight. Let's see you prove your allegiance to me. Let me see you prove that you actually are a follower of me. No. He forgave us and cleansed us of of our sins. And then implanted his spirit within us. Gave us a new nature, gave us a new heart, gave us new desires. And said, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So now you can walk in them. You are equipped to walk in them. And because of that, ladies and gentlemen, if we align ourselves in the knowledge of the truth of who we are in Christ, how can we walk in the flesh? It does not line up with who we are. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope this really helped clarify that as a believer, your deepest, truest desire is Jesus Christ. And you, in fact, hate sin. It's a wonderful reality. It's a wonderful thing to wake up every day and go, you know what? I don't have to sin because I hate sin and I've been freed from that. It changes everything when you go from thinking to yourself, okay, if I love God, I better not sin. To the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ saying, you do not want to sin because I have made you new. Praise the Lord for the beautiful reality of the gospel and the reality that we can walk in righteousness because Christ died and rose again to pave the path so that we could do that in the first place. I will talk to you all next Friday. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And God bless.